Welcome to another episode of the Thwipcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the three recent trailers that have released this past week, which were the Secret Invasion trailer, the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer, and the Blue Beetle trailer. So on Twitter, I had said that I would do a trailer reaction to each of these. With the time that has gone by, I obviously could not stop myself from watching them, so I have watched them. I'm just going to do like a review of them and kind of break them down a little bit. So I will break all three of them down in here. I will have the trailer kind of playing in the background as I'm talking about it. I'll also watch it as I'm explaining it. So I'm going to start off by just mentioning that I plan on doing a comic review to the comic Avengers Forever by Kurt Busiek. And... I will have that out soon. I just recently finished reading it for the first time, and I will be sharing my thoughts on that, so stay tuned for that to be coming soon. But without further ado, I'm going to get into the trailers. So I'm going to start off with the Secret Invasion trailer, which arguably was the most anticipated one of this week, next to like Spider-Verse. That was probably the other one that most people were looking forward to, but I'm going to start with Secret Invasion. So Secret Invasion is the next Disney Plus series that is coming on June 21st, 2023. Just right away in this trailer, we see it looks like a facility that Fury is walking down a road to get into. He's got his iconic little beanie on. He's got his coat. He's holding a gun, got the eye patch. He looks like he's like he thinks he's being watched. He's looking around and we have Talos kind of talking to him about, I guess, what has been going on since he's been gone. Then we got a shot of, it looks like a spaceship door opening with a figure inside. And in the last trailer, we see it is Fury stepping out, but maybe it's a fake out that Marvel iconically does with their trailers, where they kind of fake the audience out into thinking something is happening, but in reality, something else is happening. Then we see Talos talking to Fury. He now does not have his eye patch on. He's just embracing not having it on, I guess. But Talos is telling him that since Fury has been off-world, things have gotten worse, and he's referencing the whole Skrull situation. Then we get a shot of, it looks like, Russia in Moscow, and there's a lot of people. Then we see Kingsley Benadir's character, Gravik, detonate a bomb in a square in Russia, where we see then Kobe Smulders' Maria Hill is in the crowd. So she sees those events, and then we get the shot that we saw at the end of the last trailer with Fury again with the eye patch on, and he says that he basically came back because of the situation getting worse. And then, of course, we get the Marvel Studios logo, very grim. Then we get a shot of, I can't tell exactly what city this is, but I know we've seen it before in the MCU. It must be London if it cuts to then Olivia Coleman's character, who is an MI6 agent, who obviously has a past with Fury. Uh, she's telling him that he's in no shape to tackle this situation that's going on now. And then we get a shot, which is so cool, of Talos talking with uh, Gravik and all these other people around them all transform into Gravik's, I guess, human persona. So it's very cool how the Skrulls have always been a compelling, I guess, faction um, species in the Marvel universe that has always fascinated me so we obviously get to see them kind of surprise talos with oh i'm surrounded by scrolls okay this is bad so he looks around like he's very nervous obviously gravik has the upper hand here uh surrounding talos then we get to see fury and olivia coleman's character at a cemetery and they find nick fury's tombstone this raises a lot of questions because 
And I have a theory on this, which I will get into later. And then we see him in a tomb area. We see him open up. It looks like one of the spots and there's a weapons cache in there for him. Grabs a gun out of there. And then we see him walking with Talos. Then we see a shot of Kobe Smulders, Maria Hill. And then we see Martin Freeman's Everett Ross. So all these characters coming together, more of the, like, the spy characters, which is going to be really cool. Then we get to see some soldiers, it looks like on a highway, kind of. Looks like they're protecting, I think that's also the President of the United States that is being ambushed. And Olivia Coleman's voiceover is talking about that a lot of them are unaware of wars that go on in the shadows, but it seems like this war is going to be brought to the world. Like, everyone's going to know what's actually happening very soon. Then we get a shot of, it looks like a, like, warehouse, and there's a ton of pods. It looks like they're pods, but it looks like they're being experimented on. I can't tell if these are Skrulls or if these are humans that the Skrulls have captured to kind of take on their personas and know their memories and thoughts and all of that so they can actually infiltrate places. Because in the comics, they kidnap the Illuminati, which is the group of superheroes. I can mention that in another time if I review the comic series, but Basically, they kidnapped them and then they studied their brains and basically took all their memories. And then when they transform into them, they know their life story. So it's easy to believe if you're someone else. So let's say they kidnap Reed Richards. So if they go and infiltrate the Fantastic Four, they're going to believe that Reed or what they think is Reed is actually Reed because they, the, that scroll knows his whole life. So they're going to believe it's him. So I believe this is kind of what's going on, is that they're taking all these people and kind of studying them and experimenting on them so they can perfectly infiltrate uh, whatever they're trying to infiltrate. And it looks like Amelia Clark's character is witnessing this for the first time. And Amelia Clark is playing Talos' daughter, who is named Gia or Gia, I don't know. But um, she is playing a grown-up version of Talos' daughter that we see in Captain Marvel. We see Olivia Coleman again talking with Nick Fury, she's asking him if he feels responsible for what this whole situation is going on for it because technically he did save Talos and a handful of Skrulls from the Kree in Captain Marvel. And I'm guessing after that, some of them kind of split off and created this whole resistance where they're like, no, we will not help these people. They are destined to destroy us and we will infiltrate them before they have the chance to do that, which is similar to the comics that they were destined to have their planet destroyed. And then it goes on to show aerial view, some very mysterious shots. And then we get a voiceover. I'm assuming this is Everett Ross. Yeah, I'm assuming that's Everett Ross saying, where are the Avengers? And we get a newspaper in French that says, I'm going to translate this. It says the Avengers it says the Battle of New York, so it's kind of like a throwback to the first Avengers movie. But obviously, this is a battle that basically Fury can't trust the Avengers at this point because he knows Earth is infiltrated. Like, he can't trust anyone. And that goes back to the iconic line from the comics where, like, who do you trust? As soon as you know you're infiltrated, you can't trust anyone because these people can look and remember just like your friends did. So you can't trust anyone at this point. And then we get a shot. It looks like this is Kingsley Benadir's character, Gravik, entering. It looks like a chamber. Can't tell what that is exactly. And some soldiers are entering a building. We got Fury here again with the eye patch off. And he says this is his fight to do and it, he has to do it alone. Then we get a shot of that helicopter ambushing, and I'm pretty sure this is the U.S. president's vehicle that they are attempting to hit. And then we get a shot of some agents 
that look like they're presumably scrolls, like they're all pointing their guns at Fury. And then we get Don Cheadle's James Rhodes, who is telling Fury that he's the most wanted man on the planet. So obviously these scrolls have a personal vendetta with Fury. What that's about, we don't know, but I'm curious to see what that is about. So obviously they're all looking for him. Maybe he plays a bigger part in the whole invasion. And we got some other shots. It looks like this is Chernobyl in Russia. I heard a rumor that that location was heavily being like thrown around, that that is where the Skrulls are hiding. And Amelia Clark's Gia or Gia is explaining the Fury that he has no idea what they're planning for him. So again, this kind of proves the point that he does play a bigger part in their whole invasion. Then we get a shot of a damage control case opening with some air coming out, and it says specimen sample cull. I saw a lot of theories around saying that this is Cull Obsidian's hand, who is the Black Order, I guess, warrior for Thanos and in Infinity War when Wong closes the portal and it cuts his hand off in New York. That's who that character is. I honestly think that's a bit far-reaching. I don't think that is him. It doesn't make a ton of sense, to me at least, why that would be a thing in this story. Let me get a shot of Olivia Coleman. It looks like in a basement bathroom kind of thing, and she's got pliers in her hand, and she's opening the door to, it looks like a room with someone in a chair that is tied up, and we don't see who it is. Very mysterious character. I'm very curious to see if she's actually a good character in this. Like, she's obviously going to kill it in the role because she's an amazing actress, but like, if she's more of a villain in this, I'm very curious to see. Then we get a shot of Gravik looking out of a window. We get Nick Fury entering. It looks like this is the room that Olivia Coleman was in with the pliers. Then we get a shot of two people getting chased on a roof. Jumping off, we get a shot of a scroll yelling. Again, the practical effects on the scrolls look really good. Some soldiers entering a window, Gia or Gia, and she's back to back with someone else, but they're both holding their guns up. Then we get a shot of a helicopter crashing down, and Talos is very hurt, and he's like slowly transforming too. Looks like he was shot in the shoulder. And then we get a shot of Gravik throwing Fury in that chamber that we see Gravik walking towards at the beginning. And then we get a shot of someone, I'm assuming this is Gravik or someone that's made to look like Gravik, but he's, his arm is transforming. And I saw a lot of people saying that this is the Super Scroll. For me, it would be like a smart move to like bring that character into it. But without having introduced the Fantastic Four, that might be a bit hard given that the Super Scroll was created based off of the Fantastic Four's powers. So if they're doing it like something like that, then it would still be cool. But personally, I'd like to see the Fantastic Four before they introduce the Super Scroll. But I'm fine with it either way. And we get a shot of Fury leaving that kind of tomb area in the woods. And he says, one last fight. So this is very much looking like it's setting up to be Samuel L. Jackson's last ride with this character. Now... My theory on why we see Nick Fury's tombstone and all of that, why he's visiting that cemetery. Okay, so after watching this for the first time, and even before seeing it, so there were some promo images of him at the cemetery, and it got me thinking, back to what I said earlier, we see him get shot in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and we all think he's dead. Now, what if he actually did die, and in between when... Captain America and Black Widow see him in that hospital where he was trying to be saved and when they see him again in that um, dam where they're secretly hiding from Hydra. What if in that time they place a scroll in Fury's place? So 
Captain America and Black Widow are made to think that Fury is still alive, he's all good, he's just recovering. But what if this Skrull got so lost in the role of being Nick Fury that he forgot he was a Skrull? And that at this point, he realizes, wait, is this actually who I really am? Did I actually die when I was shot back in 2014? Because it got me thinking, this is something that could be a, a really huge reveal because the comic was famous for revealing certain characters as scrolls. But what if the guy that was in charge of the Avengers and responsible for bringing basically the entire Marvel Universe together was a scroll? So that got me thinking, what if he is discovering that he's like, oh, no, 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 there's no way I'm dead. There's no way I'm dead. Wait, maybe I am a scroll. Maybe there's that kind of moment where he realizes that, wait, have I been living a lie my whole life? Because maybe this scroll has become, again, so attached to being Nick Fury that he forgot in reality he is a scroll. And then that would also surprise the audience because we obviously never got to see that transition if it did happen. But yeah, so that's my breakdown of the Secret Invasion trailer and my little theory that I threw in there. The next trailer I'm going to talk about is the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer 2. So this trailer opens with Miles in New York. He's living the life. He's Spider-Man. He's the one and only Spider-Man is what he says. Obviously, he knows there's way more out there. And we get some little back and forth between his parents and him just being a typical teenager. And then we get the spot in a convenience store. The spot is supposed to be the villain of what we were told this movie and beyond the Spider-Verse. But after this trailer, it's very much looking like it's going to be Spider-Man 2099 that's going to be the villain of this. But the spot is just taking food through his portals. And it's Jason Schwartzman who is playing this character. He's got a great voice for this. And then Miles is laughing at him. And we get to see a little joke there with the bread falling through his stomach because it's a portal. And then Miles kind of like starts to attack him. And then... They start going through all these portals. Miles is at school. And then his parents get mad at him for not doing so great in Spanish, considering he is half Puerto Rican. And his mom is <laughs> very disappointed with him. But he starts to have some spider sense tinglings of the spot on a roof, kind of like causing some problems. So he has to pursue that. And the teacher says that he is lying about something to his parents. And she says that she's pretty sure they know what the lie, at least that he is lying to them. I don't think they know he's Spider-Man. And then we get the shot of Gwen telling Miles that they should go out together. They should go on an adventure. Then they go through these portals. We get a shot of Spider-Woman, who is pregnant. Spider-Punk, very cool art style. We get Spider-Man India, also very cool art style. And we get a shot of Gwen and Miles in, it looks like, a central hub for all the Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. And of course, we get some iconic suits here, like from the last trailer. And Gwen calls it the lobby. And then we get our shot of Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara exiting a portal. We get a shot of him fighting Vulture from, it looks like it's the Da Vinci era. And Miguel O'Hara is the one that created the lobby for the Spider-Verse. And Miguel says that Miles can never be a part of what he is planning. And then he throws a reference to Spider-Man No Way Home, where he talks about Doctor Strange and the kid messing up things in Earth 199999, <laughs> something like that. There's a, there's a lot of nines, but this kind of complicates things when it comes to which Earth specifically is the MCU, because we know as far as what has been established so far, 
it is Earth 616, which is also what the main comics universe is. But there was an interview back when Miss Marvel was premiering where Iman Volani, who plays Kamala Khan, explained that she heavily believes the MCU is Earth 199999, whatever it is, and that she refuses to believe Kevin Feige's 616 idea. Whether that's just a joke and this movie's going along with it, or in reality it actually is that Earth, that's very interesting how an animated movie from Sony that's separate from the MCU is referencing the MCU. So maybe these universes are connected in some way and maybe further proves that the theories of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and Tom Holland's Spider-Man appearing in this movie could actually happen. And then we get Peter B. Parker, who is now a dad with Mayday Parker, shows up to see Miles and Gwen. And Miguel is like, really? I have to deal with all of this now. And then he says he'll take it from there. And then we get some really cool visuals of Miles running and swinging on a rooftop. And then we get a shot of Gwen holding her Peter that died in her universe. And then we get a shot of Gwen at the portals with Miles, some style changes going on. Maybe he's in between universes. We get a shot of his dad hanging off of a plank and then falling. So that's very interesting. And we get a shot, I think this is the Spider-Man India. Um, universe where Miles is diving. Then we get a shot of Spider Bite. We get a very menacing shot of Spider-Man 2099 running towards the camera with some uh, vampire-like teeth. And there's also a very concerning voiceover where Miguel O'Hara is saying, Miles has the choice between saving one person or the entire world. And I'm assuming this person in reference is the spot. Maybe this guy is powerful enough to basically break the entire multiverse and Miles out of his moral compass finds that killing him is wrong and that they could find a way to still save the multiverse while also keeping the spot alive and Miguel I guess seems to think no putting him down is the only way to save everyone else so Miles kind of has to go through that moral dilemma does he help defeat the one guy who could potentially create a catastrophic event in the multiverse or does he save this person to also preserve his life and risk the entire multiverse being destroyed? It's going to be a very intense situation he has to go through. And we got a shot of Miles. It looks like he's losing it. He wants Miguel to send him home, but he's saying he can't do that because he can't control what happens if Miles leaves. And then Miles is saying that he wants to do both. He wants to both save him and also save the multiverse. But Miguel's basically saying, no, there is only one option. And then we get a shot of Miles running away from multiple Spider-Man and then Miguel is chasing him. And he's saying he can't run forever. He's always going to find him because he has access to the Spider-Verse. Gwen is saying she can't lose another friend. So she obviously has a strong connection with Miles. She doesn't want to lose him, but she also doesn't want to lose her home. And then we get a shot of all of the Spider-Man on it looks like a train. And they're all trying to stop Miles. And Miguel is saying he has no idea what he's doing. He's going to cause... A massive problem and then Miles is kind of being a rebel here you can see the I can't tell if this is his venom abilities but it's like charging in him as Miguel is pinning him down in that train and then Miguel sends out the order to stop Spider-Man and then that gives us this iconic moment where they're doing the pointing meme again very cool to see all these different Spider-Man in the first shot we also got the ins insomniac Spider-Man we get the Spider-Man unlimited and I can't tell what this other one is but they're all very stylized looks very cool but the shot before that we get our first look at the Scarlet Spider who looks amazing the style is perfect the shading is very well done it just looks really cool 
moving on to the pointing meme, then they're all chasing down Miles, and then the title, and then a little joke at the end where Spider-Man's in therapy, talking about his uncle and the therapist, like, yeah, he died, and a bunch of Spider-Man burst through the wall, but I didn't notice this at first, but there's a spider horse in the background. I'm sure you'll see it too. I was not aware that there was a spider horse, but it makes sense. And then June 2nd. So I'm very, very excited for Across the Spider-Verse. This is going to be a game changer when it comes to animation in terms of the amount of styles they're using this movie. It's going to be very, very cool to see all the different styles come together, kind of cross over with each other. And I can't wait to see where the story goes. And Phil Lord and Chris Miller also said that this movie is basically going to be like the Empire Strikes Back to the Spider-Verse trilogy. And that potentially means that this is going to end on a very big cliffhanger as did Empire Strikes Back. And the finale is going to be nuts. So I can't wait to see this. Moving on to the next trailer is Blue Beetle, which is the first movie in James Gunn's DCU. This trailer also is uh, very exciting. I'm going to break it down right now. So it opens on, it looks like some kind of mansion or resort where Jamie Reyes is working, working as like a cleaner, I guess. And I think this is his friend or it's his sister because they are in the same like house later on. I'm not super familiar with the characters, so pardon me if I'm not getting these character relations right, but she kind of says, like, are you done scraping the gum off the lounger? And he's like, really? Okay. And then it cuts to the logo. Looks like he is from Palmera City, if I'm saying that right. I don't know exactly where that is. It has to be in the States, I'm assuming. Looks super high tech, though. And then we get a look at the Cord Industries Tower. Ted Cord, obviously, it was the second Blue Beetle. So we'll probably get to see some reference to that. I'm wondering if we'll actually see Ted in the movie. We see Jamie at the Ted Cord building, his family encouraging him in the background. And then a character, he calls her Jenny. And it looks like she has possessed some kind of thing that Cord wants, and she's giving it to jamie to hold on to seems like it's very serious because security is chasing her down and trying to get to it but jamie takes it and brings it home and she's saying to guard it with his life but not to open it so that raises some concerns here so jamie's kind of confused his family says that he went to cord industries to try to get them jobs so they're obviously very talented maybe they're engineers and they're very tech savvy Maybe that's why they want to work for Cord Industries, but now they have this responsibility to hold on to this device. And they're like, all you brought back for us was a hamburger? And he's like, I don't think it's a burger. And then he opens it, and we see the scarab for the first time. And the scarab looks friendly at first, and then it attaches to Jamie and starts to transform him. And this transformation looks really cool, by the way. It starts to kind of like, not like bleed, but starts to like, run all along him very similar to like a symbiote and it looks very cool it's like burning his clothes off it's like becoming a true part of him and then he falls off the ceiling and we get our first look at the full suit and it looks really really cool i'm glad this was both like a full-on practical suit and they kind of like added some effects to it in other ways to kind of make it look more uh realistic but it looks really really cool and the voice also the voice is so cool the AI voice, not a big fan of, but again, like I've seen some complaints that it could be improved maybe with like an actual like celebrity voice instead of like an AI voice. I don't know if like an actress is actually playing this role or if it's just like a typical computer voice, but his jetpack looks really cool too. 
And then he bursts through the ceiling and starts flying into space. And then he is in space. And then he starts to fall. Again, some more voice lines in the suit. I think they nailed the voice. I'm so proud of that. And then he stops just above the water, kind of hovers around there. And he's like, what is going on? And then it moves on to show. It looks like this is Jenny again with Jamie's family. And it looks like they're back in Cord Industries and they're entering a room. And she says it's like a world destroying weapon. It's designed to protect its host. And Jamie unintentionally starts splitting a bus in half. And all these people's reactions like, what the heck are you doing, bud? What are you doing here? Why are you destroying the bus? And then he's like, oops. And then we got a shot. It looks like this is also in Cord Industries, but there's like a huge array of devices with some electricity being generated around them. Very curious to see what this is. But this is Susan Sarandon's character, Victoria Cord, who is saying that the scarab chose Jamie, but it belongs to her. And we got some like helicopters and drones kind of flying over Jamie's house, I'm guessing, to find him and get the scarab. But his family's in danger now. And we got some action shots here. I'm very curious who this character is that's coming out of it looks like a tent. But again, Jamie in the Blue Beetle suit gets those iconic mace fists. We see those in the Injustice 2 game as well. And those are really cool. And we get some hallway fight action. Looks like his family gets to fly the Blue Beetle ship that I'm guessing this was Ted Kord's ship they're flying. And his uncle played by uh, George Lopez is telling him that the universe gave him a gift and he has to figure out what he wants to do with it. And then we got some more action shots going on. The AI is telling him whatever he can imagine the suit can create. And of course he gets his iconic blade arms. Those are also really cool. And he blends them together to get a super gigantic sword. And he's like, yeah, let's go. And he slams it into the ground. Then we get the logo and then an after trailer scene where they're inside some kind of armory and Jamie says all the tech is like Batman stuff and his uncle goes on to say Batman is a fascist. It's just a dumb joke but a lot of people got mad at this. I'm really like they didn't have to do that but it's not like a world changing quote just let it go it's just a stupid joke. But in the background of this we see some suits. And the first one is worn by the first Blue Beetle. The second one was Ted Kord's suit. And the third space that is open, I'm guessing, is where Jamie's will go. Even though his is kind of like bonded to him, but maybe they're going to develop another one with the Scarab. But it looks like they're in some kind of bunker with some really cool high-tech things. And they're just having fun. Having said fun, this movie does look fun. I'm hoping it's a hit. I really am because this is the first DCU movie. And I'm getting some, actually, like, I don't know if this is a common perception, but I'm getting some Spider-Man vibes from this. Like, this looks like this could be the DCU's Spider-Man, where it's, like, obviously, like, a teenager or a young adult is becoming a superhero, trying to figure out how to balance family, being a superhero and all that. But the mix of humor and action and family together kind of reminds me of Spider-Man. And I don't want to anger people by making that comparison, but that's what I felt from this trailer. There's nothing wrong with that. I think this character could really be the DCU Spider-Man for them. Just being that young superhero trying to figure out his whole career. Maybe being mentored by some other bigger named superheroes that have yet to be seen. Uh, it's going to be really fun, but I, I will be seeing this. It's uh, going to be very entertaining. It looks to be very well shot. The effects look really good. The suit is amazing. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, those are the three trailers that dropped this past week. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. 
I'm looking forward to all of these. I will be seeing these right away. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at thwip underscore media. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Thwip Media, and make sure to check out my other videos too. And I will see you all next time. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching.